We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's good, everyone? Welcome into another BuzzBeat episode. BuzzBeat Podcast is a member of the Blue Wire Network, and you can find our episodes on the newly designed BlueWirePods.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I am Richie. We'll be joined by Spencer and Brian today. Uh, On today's episode, we're going to get into our final preseason thoughts as the Hornets played the Grizzlies on Monday night. And then by the time you're listening to this, Uh, We will have one more game to go as the Pistons are taking on the Hornets tonight, which is Wednesday night. Uh, And really, the regular season, just one week away when the Hornets take on the Bulls. Let's check in with the co-host. Spencer, how's everything going with you? Uh, It's good. Things are good. I'm I'm really gearing up for regular season hoops to start here. And, you know, between the uh, NBA China uh, situation and the Kyle Allen, Cam Newton gate, um, I am just ready to watch some basketball and, and stop. Uh, I got to get off Twitter, boys. It's, it's, it's tearing <laughs> me down slowly but surely, but I, I just need NBA Twitter back, like where we talk about actual basketball. I, I can't take it anymore. Yeah, that's true. A lot, a lot of off the courts and off the field type of uh, controversies going on all around uh, in sports. Uh, Brian, how's everything going over there in, uh, in Raleigh? Things are good. Uh, like Spencer, getting ready for basketball season. Uh, college and the NBA, you obviously focus on the the Hornets and the ACC. But I missed last week's episode, which you guys did a great job on because I was down in Charlotte, actually, ironically, for ACC Basketball Media Day, which was cool getting to talk to uh, Spencer's boy, Tony Bennett and Braxton Key, and, and also getting to talk to some of the uh, couple, you know, few of the draft prospects that were in attendance there, like Markel Johnson, Xavier Johnson. And uh, all in all, and Trent Force from Florida State, who remains one of my favorite basketball players I've ever get, had the opportunity to interview and talk with uh, before. So things are good. Busy part of the year is coming up. Um, and yeah, like Spencer said, stay off Twitter if you can. <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange place these days. All right, before we get into the heart of this episode, I think I want to get your thoughts on the fact that now, I don't know if you heard the announcement, guys, but Chick-fil-A has now partnered with the Hornets, and we're going to have some Chick-fil-A sandwiches 
in the arena. Will that bring more guests out to the games, you think? <laughs> I, I mean, I think they'll probably try whatever they can at this point, right? Uh, it's going to be a long season. But I, anything with Chick-fil-A involved is immediately better, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, it usually works. I mean, based off what – I think it'll be important if they have some – if they had like a noon tip-off game, that they might really be able to get the the lunch crowd in there walking around uptown. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, I'm sure. Considering that one report that came out last year that sort of described the the food and beverage situation at Spectrum was, um, shall we say, less than ideal. That I'm sure Poor. this this is good for them. Uh, to bring in Chick-fil-A and yeah, if I, if I am in attendance for a game this year, perhaps I'll grab a spicy chicken sandwich here. The Domino's being back as well. I don't know if you guys saw that. I guess it was last week or maybe the week before Uh, Um, Domino's back in the building. And and that, that, that tugs at my heartstrings a little bit. I can remember being a kid, uh, being in the old Charlotte Coliseum, and I would get that little personal size uh, Domino and a a Domino's pizza and and a cardboard box. I mean, that's, Hey, it's, it's going to mean something to somebody, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's get away from the food talk and start uh, talking about the Grizzlies game. So the Hornets picked up their first win of the preseason with a 120-99 victory over the Grizzlies on Monday night in Memphis. Uh, Charlotte did start off a little slow and were sloppy on the offensive side of the court uh, early on, but I felt like Charlotte did a good job as they kind of progressed in the game of pushing the pace, moving the basketball, and just you know, converting from deep where Memphis struggled from behind the arc. Uh, I know that was just kind of a quick bullet point overview of the game, uh, but let's get into some high points of this game because I know before we started recording, Spencer said you know that the highs might be few and far between, uh, and so will the victories uh, this season. So let's just get into some of the high points of this game, and then we can talk about the preseason as a whole and looking at some of the players. So in this Memphis game, uh, Spencer, is there anything that specifically that you would like to talk about that has impressed you or stood out to you uh, in this victory specifically? There's actually a few things to choose from here. <laughs> so it is, uh, which is, like you said, Richie's probably not going to have a lot happen a lot this season. But I, I don't know. I, I'll probably hone in on, on Terry Rozier. I, this, you know, he has had some disappointing games in the preseason so far, but he's also had some some pretty efficient ones. I mean, this is the... This is the second game we've seen this preseason where Rozier gets eight or more assists uh, and has one turnover or less. And, you know, for a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands as much as he is this season and has already this preseason, you know, that that is impressive to me. Uh, he, he's shown us flashes of being able to stuff the, sh- the stat sheet, and he did last night, 24 points, eight assists, uh, seven rebounds, two steals, um, two steals in the variety of, of effort, IQ. I know where I, you know, I know how to trail a defender. I know where I am on the floor, uh, like real steals, not garbage steals. Cause you see a lot of those in this league from time to time too. But I, I've just been impressed with, with Rozier again. He's not going to be, uh, you know, a point guard that's of the table setting variety, you know, 12 assists a game, really making the offense hum. He is a for a, a score first, player Mm -hmm. but he's really under control and he's shown an ability to be pretty uh, efficient so far in the preseason man last night we saw some great Devontae Graham Terry Rozier minutes which is helpful for Rozier much like it was with Kimba when he would play with Jeremy Lamb or or whoever the backup point guard was and allowed him to get off the basketball Um, I mean one play sticking out in my mind last night you know Rozier is in the corner Uh, I don't remember who found him in the corner Rozier demands a closeout beats the closeout 
and then Cody sets a little pin screen for P.J. Washington in the opposite corner mm-hmm. for the right. three. That, was that action – yeah, right, right. Yeah. And, and that action is not initiated by Terry Rozier, which is, you know, just, just one good example of him being able to get off the basketball. Might have been Devontae that threw him the, the initial pass. But uh, I, I just think that, you know, we could look back, you know, after this season and say, here's a player who finally got an opportunity and really was able to grow. But last night was example, I think, 1A of when Rozier is playing his best basketball, how, he, how many different areas of the game he can impact the game. And, look, he's a two-way player. All right, like this guy's gonna he's he's good on the defensive end pretty consistently, at least with his effort, and is also gonna have to carry a, a heavy offensive load. And I think that that stuff gets overlooked, but we've seen that this preseason from him, especially last night. Yeah, he definitely impressed me in terms of like you said, on the defensive side, getting his hands uh, in the passing lanes and getting steals. Uh, but also on the offensive side where he's able to kind of maneuver and weave his way around picks while also keeping the defender on his back and, and ju- he just he just does it under control. I think a lot of people assume that Terry Rozier is probably this type of player that turns the ball over a lot, which is truly not the case. He's he's not that type of guy, uh, especially for a team like Charlotte, who I feel like has turned the ball over a lot this preseason. He's been one of the few players on this team that has kind of been under control and keeping the ball and not turning the ball over. And, uh, you know, he just had a couple of nice passes as well, Spencer. Like you said, he's he's distributing the ball way higher than I thought he would. So, yeah, hats off to yeah. Terry Rozier and hats off to Devontae Graham for uh, actually making some threes uh, in this past game. Devontae Graham, by the way, just a note, plus 37 in this game, which is insane. Keep going, Spencer, here. Yeah, no, I just had one last thought, and then I want you to jump in here. Is yeah. I had this thought when I was rewatching the game <clears throat> this morning. You know, Rozier is like, I was watching him move out there, and I'm like, you know, he would be, he moves like a really good wide receiver. And what I mean by that is like, every time he has the basketball, his stop and go, herky-jerky, hard pivot, change direction, it reminds you of, it reminds me of a wide receiver running a really tight route concept, right? And, you know, that's just, that's how he is able to create separation and find gaps and lanes on his way to the rim with the basketball and in transition. And, you know, you know I, I've just been impressed with how consistent that stop-and-go herky-jerky motion has gotten him good look so far this preseason. Yeah, what I would add is, Spencer, when you were talking about this possession where he found uh, where Washington hit a, a three-pointer in the corner early in the game, but you, you mentioned a key piece there that, that Zeller, Zeller set a, a pivotal screen on that play. And I mean that's Cody Zeller in a nutshell too, right? Not not to, I don't mean to pivot this conversation off of Terry Rozier because I want to get back to him, but just over the last couple of years when we've talked about the value of Cody Zeller, and you've seen people that have, have will mock your opinion if you say, well, he look, he's just he didn't block a lot of shots, but he's a good defender, he's a great screen setter, and people will just start laughing. But like so much of what this guy does is just being in the right place at the right time freeing up other guys. It's not him just being big and doing what the coaches say. Like the guy is a good feel for the game, knows how to use his body to get his teammates open. It's just it's just a special skill that he has and he's better at it than a lot of other guys. Um and I like too, while while Zeller's shooting has been bad from basically every level of the court, he thirty two percent effective shooting, about forty seven percent shooting overall at the rim, which is not great. But we've talked about this. Uh, they've been letting Cody handle the ball a lot in the preseason so far, yep. right? 
22% assist rate, 22% usage rate. Like, did you ever think, uh, granted, small sample here, just four preseason games, they, they mean nothing, but did you ever think you'd see Cody Zeller doing that, uh, 22 and 22 in terms of usage and assist rate? And I think while who knows how sustainable that is because of a because of Zeller's health and B, you know, we'll just see what happens once they get into the flow of the regular season. But for a guy like Rozier, he can't handle the ball like Kemba and, and just have 90 touches per game and have eight minutes of time of possession like he's Kemba or, or Ben Simmons. He can't do that with, with Terry Rozier. But by allowing Zeller to work into the offense and hold the ball more and facilitate as a DHO guy, you know, there's some inter- – I mean, again, this season's going to be ugly, but there's some interesting – there's some interesting synergy there, right, between those two guys, which is that Zeller is very, very good at screening players, and he's a smart player, and he's huge. So he works as a, as a conceptually as a DHO hub. And then at least Rozier, you're not, you're not making this guy bring the ball up and run spread ball screen every single play. And, and I think that's, that's good for both of those guys, honestly. Um, just looking at some of the numbers, too, uh, through synergy here, Rozier, uh, 59% shooting out of the pick and roll so far in uh, preseason, 20 possessions, uh, effective shooting of 62% out of the pick and roll. But as you guys were sort of saying, to not an amazing feel as a passer, which we've discussed in the, in the build-up to this season as well, but the Hornets scoring under 0.6 points per possession in the preseason when Rozier is a passer out of the pick and roll. But he shot well off the dribble. He's just shot well in general all preseason. He's he's big as a guard. He's trying hard defensively. Like, if you got 80 games of this out of Terry Rozier this season, I, I would be imp- – I would be – I'm still taking it game by game, wait-and-see approach like Spencer has said. But uh, – I've been pleasantly surprised so far in the preseason, and uh, I'm hoping we get six more months of this with Terry Rozier. Yeah, I think, you know, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington all showed up big in this game. And I know as we get into the regular season, we'll probably break down the games a little bit more in depth uh, and kind of go specifically more into each kind of quarter and half. But let's transition to this, Spencer and Brian. Let's kind of run down the players and – just see how these Hornets are doing through the first four exhibition games and and kind of give like an outlook as we approach opening night versus the Bulls. So let's just go player by player, the good, the bad, and what we're seeing out of these players as they've played four preseason games. Let's start with probably one of the more interesting players with Miles Bridges. Um, obviously the rookie that we drafted last season had high hopes for him to kind of make that sophomore jump. I'll start with the good because... I've cooled off on him a little bit, and, and some of the bads that I have are are more than I would have thought. So for the good for Miles Bridges so far, I, I think that his rebounding and his athletic ability are always going to be there, and his grab-and-go potential with this team really does translate with what Borrego is trying to do, uh, trying to get an up-tempo offense, and he's someone that likes to push off of misses I mean even makes as well the whole team uh, pushes off makes and misses but for a guy like him of his athletic ability to grab the ball and go and start that transition offense that is something that you're going to continue to see out of Miles Bridges he is crazy athletic um, and I will say that when you give him space he can get all the way to the hoop uh, and kind of finish around the rim with either hand and we, we saw that last season as well but 
Guys, let's. I think we're going to probably have to start bringing up some of the negatives or, or the room for improvements here. Defensively, he's a little bit lost off ball, and we've talked about this last season. Uh, there was one play uh, against Memphis that uh, specifically kind of sticks out in my mind where he's helping and, and tagging a roller, but the angle that he gives himself to recover uh, is just too high up the court. He loses track of Crowder. Uh, in the corner and by the time the pass is made back out to his man he's nowhere to be found like he's not gonna be able to kind of catch up and make up that distance that he's give, given Crowder in the corner so that that's one kind of thing that kind of sticks out and that's happened several times in this preseason and I, and I don't mind help defense but I just think the positioning that he had was was all wrong and then even offensively I'm cooling off guys I think that for him to be effective he's he's the type of player that probably is only effective kind of attacking offensive rebounds, running baseline to baseline, and looking for corner threes. But even this preseason, he has shot the ball so poorly from behind the arc that it's tough for him to even attack closeouts because people aren't going to close out on him if he can't get that three-point shot under controls here. So, Brian, I'm going to start with you. Maybe if you want to start with some positives, what you're seeing out of uh, Miles Bridges this preseason, but uh, I'm sure you have some concerns as well. Yeah, I think... Miles again. You can just see the as soon as you see him on tape again, the the athleticism. It's special. We saw it in summer league with some of these Euro step dunks that he has on the break. Uh, I've noticed one of the plays that they kept in the playbook from last season to this season is a uh, a high low action play that I, I like that they ran a lot with Bridges and Willie Aaron and Gomez, especially early on in the season. It sort of faded from the 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 playbook late in the year, especially as uh, Aaron and Gomez left the rotation. But uh, I think Miles has gotten some good looks. I mean, that's a good that 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 type of kind of action where he can screen, get the switch, then take that guy into take that guy into the post and look for the lob over the top is is sort of where he's going to be at his best. Um, he's had trouble finishing around the rim in general in the preseason. You know, finishing through contact when there's extra extra bodies, you know, shot blockers in the area. But as you said, when he has space, Richie, he can do some, some special stuff um, offensively. Looking at some of the negatives, and, and you touched on his his defense. I, I'm, I think Spencer probably has some stuff to add there too. So I'll, I'll focus in on offense. We Before the season, we highlighted his above-the-break three-point shooting as something to watch. Like he was right at 30% last year, and that needed to that needed to jump up. Very small sample, but one of eight shooting from above the break uh, in the preseason. That's filtering out for a, a you know backcourt heave as well. And he just there's something about Miles with the basketball that just does not does not give me a whole lot of confidence. It's yeah, um, it doesn't it, feel right. It, there's something about it that I just can't. I think when you're like when we're when we're scouting players, and I watch a lot of college basketball players through my job. You know, one of the things you're looking for when you're evaluating prospects is, you know, is the speed of the game too much for them? And what do they look like when they have the basketball? Like how comfortable are they to have the ball in their hands, either in a triple threat or to dribble the ball right now? And just everything with Miles, it feels sped up and it feels loose. And that's okay for the most part because he's still, you know, he's young. He's, He's just entering his second year. But that's where he was last year too, and so I don't feel like like Miles has regressed as a prospect or anything outside of the 
well, now you're paying him a little bit more and he's a year into his career, you know, therefore he should be on the upward, he should be trending upward on this developmental curve. But um, as we know, so, you know, prospects, they, they improve and they at, at different rates. But just with Miles, I feel like we saw this in Summer League and we're seeing it again through the preseason, which is he just looks exactly like he did last season. Like it doesn't, it doesn't right now, and we'll see what happens when the season gets going, but it just doesn't feel like his level of comfort on the basketball court, just watching from my couch, doesn't feel like that's improved. And I think we're seeing it translate into his play. And it's just too loose with the basketball. The shot hadn't been there everything feels too fast and uncomfortable. And yeah, I think it's a concern that, cause I'm sure he worked out like crazy this off season, you know, but he just, for the most part, looks like a guy that is, has sort of stagnated over the last couple of months in terms of his development. I mean, yeah, you, you guys make some awesome points. Um, won't add a ton to that. I, you know, the good is this to me, he, he's a, a lethal transition player. Uh, I think his his brightest moments through four preseason games have come from him grabbing the basketball off the defensive glass, pushing it, using his athleticism, and then he's made some really nice over-the-top passes to Zeller, who's who's running in front of him uh, to finish. I mean, that's where he's going to help this team the most is that grab-and-go um, ability. And, and they want to play fast, so that's a good fit, right? Um, but, you know, outside of that – there's really nothing that's been positive uh, from from Miles Bridges so far this preseason, and I echo you know Brian and Richie both. He looks the same as last year, and that's the most disappointing aspect to me. I'll start defensively. He obviously is gonna you're gonna look at the box score after every single game, and Miles Bridges is gonna have two blocks or more, right? Like it's just he comes over from the weak side, he makes just a, a play that you know, one percentile of the NBA could make because he's got an incredible athleticism and reach. And, and he, you know, when he's locked in, he can have really good timing on coming and blocking shots. But I mean, outside of that, there's nothing to write home uh, about w- with him guarding the basketball. He can't stay in front. He has really poor fundamentals. And that this isn't just defensively. His fundamentals are poor offensively too. And that's what Brian was touching on. He doesn't get into a stance. He does not slide his feet. Um, and then you get him off the basketball and, and ask him to come get on the helpline and make a rotation. I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm not exaggerating. Forget it right now. Like it's not, he's going to get it wrong seven or eight times out of 10. And that's a bit, that's a big time problem. Um, you know, I know he's young, but, and I was going to save this for, for PJ Washington, but I, I think I should bring it up now. I, you know, I think Washington's been great this preseason, no question about it. He looks comfortable out there. He looks very polished. But I think him being in- inserted into the starting lineup as the power forward has as much to do with Miles Bridges not being able to, to make those baseline backside defensive rotations. He can't do it. If Cody Zeller and, and Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, or whoever's in there are going to blitz pick and rolls defensively, Miles cannot be responsible for the back line. And that's usually where the power forward that's what his responsibility is defensively because of where his man is placed in the opposite corner or the opposite dunker spot. He's not capable at this point in time of, of, of having that responsibility. So I think that's important to think about when, you know, you think about why they've slid, you know, why Borrego has very obviously slid him back to the wing. Um, it's because he can't, he can't mentally – he can't go cover the helpline, the roller, tag him, and then get back to wherever he's got to get back to. So that's a problem. Offensively, Brian kind of said it. I mean, he said it really well. He's sloppy. He's got bad footwork. He doesn't have a move that he can go to. 
unless it's get to my left hand, take one dribble, one hard step, and elevate and you know dunk all over you. He really doesn't have anything. His right hand is poor. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know that's a lot of negative, but this stuff, you know, I, people shouldn't be surprised. Like, I wouldn't panic if I was a Hornets fan because it was very much the same last year. Is it's just that his job was so much easier with Kimball Walker right. on the team. He yeah. he had to he got a lot more corner three opportunities. He got a lot more. You know, the, the, we got five guys playing jailbreak defense on Kimball Walker, and I can slide you know behind all these guys with a cut baseline and hammer home a dunk. He looked good to the eye last year. When you give this guy more responsibility, it's come. It's become pretty clear pretty fast how far he has to go just in terms of, of raw fundamentals um, in the NBA. So, it, you know, it's not over for Miles, and, and I do think he'll improve and get better. But there are – I mean, there's some pretty clear signs that he's got a really long way to go as a player right now. Yeah, and Spencer, you and I talked about this on, on one of the episodes where we were talking about he's going to have the ball in his hands more. And he may not statistically improve, but he could still make a sophomore jump. And I guess I underestimated the fact that, you know, him playing with Kemba versus him not playing with Kemba or him playing on this team, how badly he needs those types of playmakers. And he needs the attention off of him as much as possible for him to succeed. And I think it was you and I, Brian, that were talking about, you know, the leading scorer for this team. And, you know, I, I chose Dwayne Bacon. Uh, and we, we discussed Terry Rozier, but I threw his name out there maybe being like a, a, a possible third name. I'm kind of rethinking that. I, I don't think that that's going to be in the conversation, at least, you know, based off of kind of what we're seeing early. So I, I guess I under, underestimated how badly he needs these playmakers around him because he does play well when there's other players that draw a lot of attention because he does well in space. But yeah, yeah, this season's going to be different. Yeah, it's clear that, like, you know, he – maybe more than anyone last season benefited from Kemba's gravity, right? Uh, I mean, there, you, everyone did. Everyone, every every secondary option on Charlotte's roster feasted off of Kemba. You could say that about Marvin, Lamb, whomever, Frank Kaminsky, whatever. But it's clear that Miles was very comfortable or more comfortable attacking the space uh, when he had the, like like Spencer said, when he was able to cut in on the baseline or when guys have to really rotate down to close out on a corner three for him last season, he could he could dip his shoulder and, and smoke them and go baseline for a, for, a, for a finish at the rim. To be clear, I still really like Bridges a lot as a prospect. Uh, maybe like Richie, I've, I've cooled a little bit, but I don't want to overreact too much to summer league and preseason. we got a long season ahead. I just worry that some of this stuff, I, I don't know if some of this stuff is, is, you know, I think it'll help to play more basketball, obviously. I think Miles just needs reps doing a lot of this stuff. But, you know, I, I'm just not sure if we're going to see a jump across the board that maybe some people were hoping for in year two. Like, you, you might need to, to hold your breath for another offseason um, because I just don't know if some of this stuff is – is our aspects of your game that you just pick up on the fly in the middle of the season, even if those reps are incredibly valuable for development. I I agree, Brian. And I think you kind of, you're starting to get to a good point with what you just said. I, I do still like Miles Bridges as well as a prospect, but I see a guy that's so far away right now that, you know, he, he's a perfect late bloomer in the NBA candidate. Um, you know that that late bloomer that that Michael Kidd Gilchrist never maybe never be, you know became, but we thought there was a chance he would. There's just he's too he's too gifted, right? Like at the end of the day, he he almost just has to improve 
very incrementally to become an NBA player for a long time. And so you think that he's going to at least find a way to take enough steps forward, regardless of how long it takes at some point, um, to make a difference. But he's he's very clearly um, way far behind maybe what a lot of people would have scheduled him to be at this point. All right, we're going to get into some other players uh, in this preseason. I know Spencer mentioned P.J. Washington. We'll get to him. But after this break, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It can be time-consuming and expensive. So many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or even your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time. And right now, BuzzBeat listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the offer code B-L-U-E. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Medication is appropriate. Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple as well. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, let's move on to P.J. Washington. I think guys top to bottom, he's been our best player. I know it's just preseason, but he's been our best player through these four games in preseason. In 24 minutes, he's averaged 12 points a game, which is third on the team, shooting 64% from the field, which is first on the team. He's shot 55% from deep on almost three attempts a game. That's first. And he's averaging five rebounds, which is third on the team so far through four uh, four games in preseason. Uh, he's definitely impressed me how comfortable he's looked out there, um, how he's not hesitating, shooting the rock from deep. And I don't even think that the game against Memphis was his best game, but I love what I saw out of him with his aggressiveness and attacking the hoop and then just pulling shots from deep. And I'll, I'll say this, and I, and I said it in a tweet, uh, I know there were some conversations about him maybe playing in Greensboro, 
but I, I think there's no chance that that's – well, I shouldn't say no chance because you just never know with this organization. But there should be no chance that he is going to be playing with the Swarm this year. And Spencer even made a case for him maybe even playing in the starting role at the four position. So, guys, what, what are we seeing out of P.J. Washington? Uh, should we get too excited about this guy or should we kind of pump the brakes a little bit? Well, I mean, the way he's playing right now, I mean, there's going to be a correction. I mean, no question about that. I mean, he's shooting almost 55% from behind the arc, you know, 12 and a half points a game. I mean, he, he's been excellent. The one thing that I think with Washington, and I mean, this is the observation I had when I scouted him too, is he's an under-control player. He's a better shooter than a lot of people expected. Um, you know, I think that a lot of folks that – probably scouted him kind of but not really thought he was a, not a great athlete um I think we've been able to see in this preseason that is he is a good enough athlete Brian I like the way you put it a few episodes ago where you're like he's not a great athlete but he's not a bad athlete right mm-hmm. like it's it's somewhere in between there but the way the Hornets are going to use him I mean last night for example in the Memphis game I could count three plays off the top of my head where he grabs the board and he pushes it up the floor and he looks pretty dang comfortable doing it too mm-hmm. and I think that has surprised some folks um he's a decent passer he's he's really athletic in a straight line we'll see him when he has to you know change directions more often with more defensive attention but he's a really good athlete in straight line the Hornets have used him uh, on a lot of empty side pick and roll action with Brian he pointed out on Twitter this morning and he can go up and get the ball. You can throw it above the rim, and P.J. is going to go get it. And I think maybe that's surprised some folks how efficiently he's done that too. He's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he really does bring a lot to the table. Um, again, the point I was making about Miles you know, just a minute ago, P.J. Washington defensively is, is he's not confused. He's not out of position. Um, right. He'll tag the helper, and he times getting back correctly. He'll He'll – He'll close out to the shooting hand of a player. I mean, he really is a guy who can think his way through the speed of the NBA. Uh And to go from – and here's what's impressive about this to me, the most impressive. To go from playing what really was a ground-bound center, more power forward last season at Kentucky, but he was really not – defensively, he never really came out of the paint, at least not very often. Offensively, last year, he played a little bit more outside the paint, but really he was just kind of their, their in-the-middle stalwart to now going out and playing in all this space and doing it and looking really, really comfortable. That's really impressive to me and a sign of a guy who, again, it thinks the game quickly. And I mean, it's, it's a great sign for Charlotte because we just talked about Miles and his struggles. Imagine that power forward all season. Now you have, have a guy like P.J. Washington. You can stick next to him and feel way better about surviving some more you know, defensive possession. So you can't say enough about Washington. He's not going to shoot 55% from behind the arc all season. <laughs> what? But he does bring a lot to the table for this team, I think. Look, if you watch this guy, if you scouted him before the draft, you could see in terms of his help defense, he was pretty special at Kentucky. Eager without ever being, you know, like running away from his guy, deserting his man to go close out, just making the right read, quarterbacking that defense, switching when he had to, helping when he had to, recovering when that was needed. Just a guy that was diagnosing Kai's uh, college basketball offense as a defender at a very high level. So I'm not surprised to see him. It's one of the reasons why I liked him as a prospect because it's like this guy can come in and stay afloat defensively. And if he shoots in the mid-30s, baseline, you've, now all of a sudden you've got a replacement level power forward. You know what I mean? Now that's not, a, that's not 
a, a sexy pick at number 12, but if he adds anything else, and it certainly looks like PJ has some serious upside as, as we've discussed and as we've been talking about on Twitter, well, now, now you're talking about a, a really interesting player. Spencer, you compared him a couple times to Patrick Patterson recently. I like that. I like the Marcus Morris comparison. And I want to give a shout out to to a friend of the show and a friend of ours on Twitter, Cole, who's at Spain Pick and Roll on Twitter, at Spain PNR, one of the good Hornet voices to follow if you're out there. He and I were going back and forth the other day on, on PJ. This is even before the preseason. And I like this as like your home run if everything clicks and falls into place for PJ Washington as Paul Millsap. And like I think I really that again that was Cole's comparison. I, I really like that comp. Though. Wow, I, I like that wow. a lot. As I like, like that a, a lot. <laughs> as, as like as like your your like best case scenario. You know what I mean? Because Paul Millsap's a, a damn good NBA player for a long time. But you think of that like an undersized, yeah, rebound, rebounding machine in college that that all of a sudden you know his game flips as the NBA gets spacier and more skilled and just the way those guys can defend a bunch of positions the way they can stretch the floor and play make in space as second side guys and pick and pop guys um just it's really interesting and if and if that if PJ could become anything close to Paul Millsap I mean you just hit a home run as opposed to hitting a double with that with that late lottery pick you just hit you hit a grand slam you know what I mean um and just a couple two couple other quick numbers like Spencer said a couple episodes ago, I said this guy doesn't play above the rim. He doesn't play below the rim. He's like right at the rim, and he's got good athleticism. He's thrown down four alley oop dunks in preseason game. Overall, he has uh, seven dunks in preseason. He's ten of twelve in the restricted area, and he's six of six shooting when he's either rolled to the basket out of the pick and roll or he slipped the ball screen. And again, we've seen these these. Uh, these empty side pick and rolls with he and Devonte Graham have looked really good. Where they've used, uh, you know, some screen this Iverson cut into a screen the screener action or wedge pick and roll or whatever. But to clear it out and let let uh, PJ and Devonte or PJ and and Rozier go to work, um, you know, it, it's 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 worked out so far. So uh, I'm I'm very pleased. Like Spencer said, you got to dial that. You got to hit the brakes a little bit because he's not going to shoot quite this well from three point range, but. So far, so good, man. He's 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 been he's been he's been wonderful for the Hornets. I think I think this is a conversation probably for another podcast or just kind of basketball in general. When comparing PJ Washington to two Miles Bridges, there's definitely some differences in their game and, and kind of how they approach the game. And Spencer, you kind of brought up this point of just being very sound defensively and being someone on the backside that can that can help and recover and tag and, and do all that stuff. I think a player that and I'm not saying Miles Bridges does this, does this, but I think a player that relies on athleticism as part of their basketball game, sometimes their instincts and their basketball IQ might suffer a little bit. And I think that's where P.J. Washington maybe beats out Miles Bridges a little bit is he has rebounding instincts, he has defensive instincts, he's very he's a high IQ type of player because he has not had that God-given athletic ability that Miles Bridges has. And he's had to work through some of those, I guess, deficiencies when it comes to the athletic department. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, does that make sense, or, or is there more that, to it than just that? That makes a ton of sense. I mean, I, I literally I, – I think you nailed it on the head there. I really do. And I think that that – I was actually had that thought earlier when we were on Miles is, look, it, it, we're, we might be seeing signs of a guy who has just – 
leaned on his athleticism his whole basketball career. And now we're starting to, to see the negatives of that when he gets to the highest level of the game. So, no, Richie, I think that's a really, really good observation and something that could be absolutely true. All right. Let's just kind of go rapid fire uh, over these last couple of players here uh, and kind of their preseason performances. I know we talked about Cody Zeller to kind of begin this episode and some of the things that he is doing uh, this preseason. And uh, obviously his statistics, if you actually look at the box score, haven't been the greatest. But I know he does a whole lot of stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. He's very good at maneuvering his body and, and rescreening when necessary. And we talked about this not only on today's episode, but on previous ones. He's going to be played... Uh, with the ball in his hands a whole lot more, or at least a significant amount of more this season. Just a lot of positives this season, even though if you look at some of his you know, field goal percentage, his points, his rebounds might be a little bit lower than we want. Um, he just does a lot of the little things that you would want out of this guy. You know, Obviously, he's not a shot blocker, but he's able to force and contest shots without fouling. And the little stuff like this is why I, and I know BG and Spencer, you guys have always been a big fan of his. So thoughts on on Zeller this preseason, good, bad, and maybe how his role is going to change a little bit. Yeah, I mean, his stats don't look good. You mentioned that, Richie. You know, I, I think that we know what he brings to the table defensively. He, he unlocks, um, you know, schematically uh, the Hornets being able to trap pick and rolls and, and do it pretty effectively. So that's really, I would say, the number one thing he brings to the defensive end and just being able to, to time uh, his contest at the rim well. He's not a shot blocker, but he times that real well and makes a difference. Offensively, Zeller really hasn't been good at all, about 30% from the field, I think, which is hard to fathom for a center so far this year. But um, he knows how the offense is supposed to operate. He helps this offense get the ball side to side because he's such a willing screen setter. I mean, that, that's something really important uh, for people to realize when they're watching Cody Zeller and they're frustrated because he's, he's struggling to finish around the rim and he's not making you know, behind the arc or, or top of the arc threes. He's such a willing screen setter that it really does empower uh, the ball movement around the arc. And, and so that, that's something that you cannot measure and you can't look at a stat and, and it tell you much there. But watch that next time you watch Zeller. I mean, he'll, he'll really almost quarterback from inside the arc as he faces the top of the court to the ball to, okay, swing the ball. And we've seen it, him do that a few times this preseason. Ball swings, he immediately sprints to set the screen. So it's all that little stuff, the stuff we've grown accustomed to with Cody. That said, it would be nice to see him finish a few more around the rim or at least or at least give a ball fake, right? Like give an up and under a ball fake. I, I feel like he's never really – you know, when he kept, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right. And he's always off balance. And he's just on that short roll. If he was just a little bit more, you know, under control and balanced and willing to be a little bit more patient, I think he could be more, you know, efficient and and finish down there more often. But look, I I have no complaints with Zeller. He's going to bring a lot to this team. All right, we're going to skip ahead to Dwayne Bacon. Uh, Dwayne Bacon had a pretty impressive season last season in terms of uh, getting to the rim and shooting from deep. Uh, I do think that... uh, Obviously, with the ball in his hands a whole lot more this season, we're going to see some things out of him that are are not going to be too positive. I think he's been very careless with the ball this preseason. I think he's like the lowest or the highest, however you want to look at it, when it comes to turnovers on this team. Very careless, kind of like driving into the lane and then kicking out to a player. And he, like he's done it a couple times against Memphis, where he passed it to a player where they used to be, even though they were cutting uh, and leaving his feet without a plan. He definitely is someone that gets you buckets, uh, kind of in a streaky manner. Uh, can get you buckets in a hurry, and he's done a very good job of attacking the rim and getting to the line for this team. So, BG, I'll let you start off with this one. Uh, any 
thoughts on Bacon, or is it pretty much the same from last season? It, it's weird. I actually have not. He's he's like faded to the background of my right. viewing experience. He he played great on on Monday against Memphis. At least he had a good offensive game. Like you said, he's gotten to the rim. Nineteen attempts of his forty five field goal attempts have been at the rim. Eleven of nineteen. I still feel like even though the numbers don't quite bear it out, he's taken eight shots that have been in the paint outside the restricted area, and he's taken a few just from like longer mid-range too. You know, I, I, those are the shots that I, he likes to take. I really wish they he would be able to weed those out of his game. Um, as you said, kind of high turnovers, but he, he, he hits a couple nice-looking catch-and-shoot threes uh, against Memphis. Like that's the stuff he needs to get to, shooting off the catch, and when people close out, driving baseline or, or or attacking gaps and trying to get to the rim and get free throws, like he's got to become a money ball offensive player from the wing for Charlotte. Um, and he, you know he might be forced into more shot creation this year. Um, that that's sort of unfortunate for him, I, I suppose, in his development. Although maybe he will add more tools off the bounce, and, and this that'll be good for him going forward. But yeah, you know, he's honestly like kind of faded to the back of my viewing experience. It's been uh-huh. more jarring to see Zeller in a different role to and to focus on Miles and PJ and and Malik Monk and Devonte Graham for that matter too. Yeah, I've um, you know Bacon has it struggled to shoot the ball most of preseason. Last night he was excellent. I mean, he had that little stretch there. I guess early second half where it felt like he couldn't miss. Um, but look, I mean, his strengths, you know, certainly I, he doesn't. You know, he's not an incredible athlete. He's he's a strong player who who can get where he wants to go. But he's been pretty good in transition for this team, and he's one of those players that is good at getting out in front of the action. Um, you know, we we know the Hornets want to push it. We saw last night a few times where the defensive rim, the defensive rebound would come down. Somebody would grab it. Hornets had done a great job hitting up the floor this season. And then Bacon will go pin his man somewhere in the short corner area. Uh, he did that to Grayson Allen a few times last night. Maybe he got – he might have gotten um, Tyce Jones on another one of those where he just – an early post-up. So it's almost like a transition mm-hmm. post-up with, with the rest of the offense trailing. You know, I like that kind of stuff uh, for Bacon and this offense too, just to, you know, find cracks in a, in a defense that is rotating and trying to sprint back down the floor. And he's good at that. I mean, he can catch, he can face, he can give you a jab and, and really get to the right or left hand and get to the rim. But, you know, he's five and almost five and a half – uh, free throw attempts so far this preseason in about 25 minutes. That's pretty good. But, yeah, the turnovers, you guys touched on that. I, I think there are the variety of turnover that is avoidable because it's not like he's dribbling it into, into traffic a lot and turning it over, but it's when he's trying to switch the floor or make that extra pass. It's, it's kind of like he's not looking before he throws it. I mean, some of those have been wildly off target. So, But all in all, I think Bacon is going to be a good player for this team because he's one of the few guys that can really go get his own bucket uh, when the Hornets need it. They don't have many of those guys on this squad. All right, the last player that I want to touch upon, I know that we could probably get to Malik Monk, but uh, he really hasn't changed my opinion for the better or for the worse. So let's talk about Devontae Graham to wrap this episode up. And he probably, or at least in my opinion, was the best player on the court uh, Monday night against Memphis. Uh, Did very well shooting the ball from deep, and, and he was... Does a good job of kind of weaving in and out of traffic with the pick and roll. And I think that uh, Memphis obviously dropped Rab a couple times and, and gave Devontae Graham that open look from mid-range. And he hit a couple mid-range shots and hit several shots from behind the arc. And uh, he actually is shooting pretty well from behind the arc this uh, this preseason, I think above 40%. So that's always good to see for him to kind of improve 
on his weaknesses from last year. Whether or not that will carry over into the season, that's a, that's a, diff, that's a different question to have. But uh, Brian, uh, thoughts on Devontae Graham so far in preseason? We talked in the offseason about how three-point shooting, his shot, like that those were the that was the swing piece for him. Like if it's Vontae Graham's gonna stick in the NBA and be a, a solid backup for for a handful of years or for a decade or whatever. Like he's just gotta the three-point shooting has to be better. He was 32% off the catch and he was like under 24% pull-up threes last year. Um and for a guy that's not lightning quick and shifty with the basketball, like he just he needs to be able to hit that shot. Um, tiny sample, but six of 12 shooting, uh, off the catch, three point attempts in the half court in preseason and three of eight shooting off the dribble, uh, in terms of three pointers in, uh, from the half court in the preseason as well. Those are promising numbers, albeit I don't know how much you can read into it on 20 total attempts of three from the half court turnovers have spiked a little bit. He's up to 3.1 turnovers per 36 minutes. That was about one and a half last year. But yeah, you know, I mean, his role has changed. There's no Kemba. Like there, there, there are different things happening for him, and that was probably an, an unsustainable turnover rate uh, that he had a year ago as well. Just some things to keep an eye on. But I think Devontae's played pretty well. And again, plus 37 against Memphis is a hilarious number. Yeah, that is a hilarious number. I saw that one earlier. <laughs> um, look, I, Devontae, he's been he's been awesome this preseason, at least shooting the ball. Um, I just like that he's gotten up five and a half threes a game. Yeah, I mean, if not, exactly. I mean, volume is going to be really important for Devonte. Number one, because he shot the ball all, terribly last year. So, a, it tells you he knows he's a better shooter than he displayed last year. He's willing to take that shot. B, it tells you that Borrego is begging him to shoot as much as possible, work his way out of whatever that was last season, and be confident. I, I just I like the combination of what we've seen in preseason. Uh, if he can be a 40% three-point shooter, now you have an NBA player because you know running your second offense, he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to take your team out of what they do best, and he's going to give you a little bit of zip on defense too, right? Like He's not an incredible defender, but he will get up into the ball. He will slide his feet. He will play hard. Um, I just think there's enough here, and there's enough with what Devontae has shown so far this preseason where don't be surprised – with the Hornets and their their schedule is a little soft to start the season. If to close games, you see Devonte Rozier backcourt. I think it opens up some things for this offense. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Buzz Beat. We really appreciate the support that we've been receiving over the past couple of episodes. I actually check, took a look at the uh, the ratings on Apple Podcast, and the ratings went from sixty three to seventy one in the past week. So we love those. Five-star ratings, and uh, we also love those written reviews every once in a while as well. I know that I read read them all as they come through, so keep them coming. Uh, the next time we release an episode, the Hornets will be playing regular season basketball. Crazy to think that the NBA is almost here. For Brian and for Spencer, I am Richie. Go Hornets.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.